What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I'm Jordan. With me, as always, is Jared. How's it going, Jared? It is going well, as well as it could go. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Is it really as well as it could go, though? I don't know. Maybe it could go a little more weller, but... yeah. Yeah, I'm doing great, actually. Thank you for asking. So so today we're going to be talking about America as a Christian nation. Uh, We're going to be answering the question, is it a Christian nation? Uh, Was it ever? And perhaps most importantly, should it be? I think you can guess the answer two atheists are going to have to that question, but I think there are reasons for Christians to not want it to be a Christian nation, in air quotes, as well. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Before we jump into that, as always, we got a fallacy for you. Today's fallacy of the day is the argument to moderation, otherwise known as the golden mean. So mm. this is a fallacy where you assume or assert that the midpoint between two positions is correct by virtue of being the midpoint. So, for example, uh, you're selling a car and I say, well, I mean, you think the car is worth forty thousand, and I think it's worth a dollar. So why don't we compromise and say it's worth twenty? That's we should compromise, right? Got to meet in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is funny because when you first mentioned this thing, I immediately went back to like use shady car salesman tactics, you know, to like <laughs> right. get people to do so. Um, right, exactly. Uh, less flippantly, perhaps uh, you can see this in the news or on some platforms, kind of like the the reasonable person uh, false dilemma where they'll have somebody absolutely crazy on one side, you know, and so they, or, or like someone reasonable, I should say. And so they put on like the other side of the debate, you know, because right. we have to give them equal time, which if it's two reasonable people with a reasonable disagreement, that totally makes sense. But for instance, if one of those side is Nazis looking at you, modern day debate, then maybe we shouldn't, you know, give equal time to that side, right? right. Yeah. Whatever their that side is spewing, it could be really bad to give them equal time, right? Right. So uh, while it is a good idea to look for common ground and to try to find uh, where your positions overlap. Uh, it is a fallacy to assume that the middle position between two positions is the correct one. Perhaps one person is just right or more right than the other person, right? So maybe the truth is closer there. That's something you'd have to, to My car is worth 40000 Jordan. Yeah. $1, Bob. $1. <laughs> hey, so <laughs> that's, that's a good fallacy to keep in mind. But um, when we're thinking about America – Right. Well, it's always right. So we can just go. It's with always that. right. So America is the golden mean of everything. And so we can just, you know, <laughs> yeah. but in general, like you may be asking, why are we bringing this up now? Why are we talking about the fact, you know, asking the question about is America a Christian nation? And if so, I am going to guess that you don't watch the news a whole lot because <laughs> boy, oh boy, has it been in the news lately. The. Yeah. Christian, particularly the evangelical right, so the the right end of the political spectrum who tends to identify themselves, self-identify as like evangelical Christians, that segment of Christianity has been coming out swinging this year um, with the individuals they have on the Supreme Court that have uh, driven decisions there and just the rhetoric that has been um, floating around, for instance, uh, Lauren, I think her name 
you say it is Bobert? I think it's Bobert. Lauren Bobert. Bobert sounds that, good. Yeah. That crazy lady. Uh, now, she doesn't necessarily represent the mainstream of Christianity, but here's something that she said. The reason we had so many overreaching regulations in our nation is because the church complied. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is not how our founding fathers intended it, and I am tired of the separation of church and state junk. That's not in the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter, and it means nothing like they say it does. End quote. So, wow, first of all, uh, (laughs) there is a little bit of kernel of truth into something she said in there. We'll get to that later, right? But I think you'll see this has very um, theocratic overtones to it. And one of the things that we want to do in this episode particularly is not only ask the question, you know, was it, is it, or should it be? But that last question, should it be? What are the implications for Christians like this? Like if we actually went to a theocratic government where the church was directing things, you know, like. Right. Yeah. Uh, so if the church was in fact directing the government, what would that look like? Yeah. And Lauren Bobert is not alone. There are Christians out there who firmly believe that uh, not just religion should play a role, but it should play like a guiding role. I, I've talked to Christians in the past couple weeks who have suggested things. When I challenged them and said, this sounds like you're pushing for a theocracy, they responded, yes. And I was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting when somebody's, uh, you know, freedoms don't extend to everybody, you know, it's like. (laughs) So is America a Christian nation? Well, there's several senses in which you could mean that. One sense that is often pulled out in these conversations is that it was founded as a Christian nation. So a nation in the sense that it was intended to be based on Christian values or to be driven by Christians in some sense. Basically, Christians were supposed to be the ruling authority. Now, it is certain that like America is a Christian nation in the sense that it is mostly Christians, right? They they make a majority, and certainly that was even more true back in the 18th century when Christianity was basically the only game in town. Yeah, I uh, think from a practical sense, you could make a really strong argument that America is a Christian nation, right? Uh, but the 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 question of or the statement that America is a Christian nation and was founded on Christian principles yeah. is a claim we can examine, right? So did the founding fathers intend for America, the nation to be a Christian nation in the sense that Lauren said, uh, said it, well, first of all, we should keep in mind that the founding fathers, they were a diverse set of inv- individuals who disagreed strongly in a lot of things. So a lot of arguments. Didn't you see uh, Hamilton? Like exactly. Go yeah. watch Hamilton. Yeah. So you can't just say the founding fathers believed X as if it was some monolithic thing that they all agreed on. Right. right. So there are certainly, I am sure there are people who would be included in the founding fathers who would have been just fine with some more theocratic leanings. Then you've got people like Franklin, who was a self-professed deist. Basic, if he was alive today, he'd probably be an atheist, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a wide spread of thought there. But we can still look at what they said in the documents they left for us and see if this claim holds up. Hmm. So let's look at some of the words they wrote. So let's but, start with uh, Thomas Jefferson, who uh, founder of my alma mater. And so... Uh, <laughs> 
that Jefferson actually has quite a bit to say on this topic, but there's two documents in particular that, that we should look at. Uh, one is, um, is an extract from his notes on the state of Virginia. So this was done and he wrote some things, uh, but basically he said that, and this is not basically, he literally said this, it's a quotation, the legitimate powers of government extend to such acts only as injurious to others, but it does no does me no injury for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no God. It neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. So, so basically the role of government is to keep people from hurting each other and other people believe in something different to you doesn't hurt you at all. So, and that is, you'd be hard pressed to argue that Jefferson wasn't a founding father. I mean, like he's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, so uh, I would like to say that uh, just because the founding fathers are founding fathers, we're not venerating them at all. They did some horrendous shit and believe some horrendous things. Right. So, yeah, it, that that's good to point out. Um, we're not putting them on a pedestal as if we should follow do something simply because the founding fathers said so. But the people making this claim often say things like that, and right. so we can examine to see if the founding fathers that they're putting up on this pedestal actually endorsed the thing they said they endorsed. Uh, something that Lauren in her twisted rant was correct on technically is that the phrase separation of church and state comes from a letter. It does come from a letter, a letter that Jefferson wrote. Um, now that doesn't mean it's not enshrined in principle in the constitution, but let's look at that letter. So Jefferson was writing to the Danbury Baptist in Connecticut and they were understandably freaked out and worried that their religious freedoms might be taken away because that was a, a thing that had happened under English rule. And there were certain states that had religious rules uh, in their constitutions you know, from the when they were colonies. And so Jefferson is writing to put their fears at ease. And he says, quote, American people, which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. So but Jefferson, Jefferson's quoting the First Amendment there, which we'll get mm -hmm. to in a second. And he says, that thing that we wrote builds the wall of separation between church and state. Yes. He's, so this is why often the Establishment and Free Exercise Clause, which is the part of the First Amendment, um, are called the separation of church and state is because Jefferson relates it to such. But you won't find the word separation of church and state in right. the constitution or any of the amendments so but clearly that was the intent from uh, the guy who helped write it right yeah uh, another famous founding father madison writing in the federalist papers said that the idea that there should be religion in politics uh, that that uh he was criticizing the idea that that would lead men to cooperate for their common good he said that it would instead quote cause them or cause them quote to vex and oppress each other and he said that new con this new constitution that they were going to write would welcome individuals, quote, of every description, whether native or adoptive, whether young or old, and without regard to poverty or wealth or to any particular professions of religious faith. Hmm. Now, pretty open yeah, to me. It yeah. turns out that that is exactly what the Constitution says. We've already mentioned the First Amendment, which says that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Pretty clear cut. Congress can't establish any sort of religion and can't stop people from practicing a religion. But Jordan, I hear you saying all this stuff. But 
The founding fathers still wrote the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, based on Judeo-Christian values, and they founded America as a Christian nation, though, based on the Christian religion, right? So it's definitely true that like Christian thought influenced them, and they they talked. They, most of them were Christians. They talked like Christians. You know, they yeah. appealed to deities and things like that, and that's all fine. But they also wrote in Article Six: No religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. That's pretty explicit. And if you want to get even more explicit, we mm. can fast forward a little bit later. So. The Constitution has already been written at this point, and uh, we are going to 1796. The United States had been involved in some tussles with individuals on the other side of the earth who happened to be Muslim, and the Treaty of Tripoli was our treaty with to end our hostilities with these people. Yeah. And we're trying to set up like trade routes too, right? So we're right. trying to say, hey, we want to make peace. We want to have good <laughs> free trade routes. Uh, what can we do here? So Right. And so this treaty, which was ratified unanimously by the Senate, which included many of the people who wrote the Constitution still in the Senate, it said, quote, as the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. And and then it goes on. It goes, it goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know how you could possibly get more explicit than that. The government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. That was in the Treaty of Tripoli, unanimously agreed to by Congress, and signed by President John Adams. Right. So it was written by people among whom were founding fathers, ratified by people who were founding fathers, and signed by founding father. What more What more do you want? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the nail in the coffin when it comes to to this. I mean, like you can make arguments. Well, they were, you know, they incorporated Christian values or Christian ethics into the constitution. You could also make the argument that those are just good ethics and values to put in there. But for the most part, there was no intention by the founding fathers for this to be a Christian nation. And that's very clear. And I don't think anybody is really objecting to people holding moral ideas who serve in government. <laughs> the thing that yeah. we're objecting to is them looking at the Bible and saying, we should do that because it's in the Bible. And that's the sense in which we mean we're not a Christian nation. We're not an anything nation. We're a secular nation in terms yeah. of government. But are we though? Yeah. Like practically speaking. I think practically speaking, I would make the argument that we are a Christian nation. And I think you could support that argument, right? Yeah, so according to Pew Research in 2019, we have gotten more secular over time, particularly in the last decade, but we're still overwhelmingly religious. So 65% of Americans identify as Christian of some type, 43% Protestant, 20% Catholic. Uh, interestingly- so Over half Christian. Over half Christian, right. And the, most of the rest are um, some other form of religion. But interestingly, the nuns, which includes atheists, agnostics, refuse to- answer, that sort of thing, us, was 26%, a quarter of the country, which is a lot more than I would have thought. Yeah, that's so, crazy. And I bet, I bet if we looked back, you know, 20 years or something at more research, that number would, would have gone up drastically in the past decade or two. So, Yeah. So. Uh, but despite this, Christians dominate the government. So for instance, Congress is 88% Christian. 
only 0.2% of them identified as other, and 3.4% said don't know or refuse to answer. So only 3.6 of them could be construed to be lumped into the nuns, despite the fact that that is a quarter of the population. Yeah, now, there's a disproportionate representation there for sure. Throw on to that the fact that Congress is overwhelmingly constituted of college graduates and higher education is associated with lower regi- religiosity. So people who are college graduates tend to be less religious on average than their peers. Then clearly there is a huge, huge uh, disproportionality between the professed religions of those in Congress and the professed religions of those outside of it. Now, it might be that some people in Congress think, probably rightly, that if they don't call themselves Christian or at least religious, they won't get elected. So they're kind of taking it out of obligation. But if that's so, that's even worse. Like, while the Constitution says there's no religious test, I mean, practically speaking, there may as well be. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, right? There is a test of religious because if somebody... We could do an experiment. You could get somebody who's highly regarded in polls and has the great a great pedigree and the experience and the knowledge base and put them up for election and then have them say, oh, by the way, I'm an atheist. <laughs> Good luck getting elected, right? <laughs> right. Certainly not on the national stage. I mean, not that long ago, it was a huge deal that Kennedy was a Catholic, yeah. Right. That was huge a huge deal. Like huge problem. He's still Christian, right? Yeah. Huge deal. Well, well even Mitt Romney's uh, religion came into question too uh, when he was being considered for president, right? So right, because he's Mormon, and that was an issue. And these are flavors of Christianity, you know. <laughs> and those questions shouldn't come up at all, right? <laughs> right. So yeah. uh, beyond how Christians uh, are represented in government, you can see that they obviously hold a favored place in society. For example, you may have seen videos of a uh, kindly young gentleman by the name of Steven Anderson. He's a hate preacher who regularly uses the pulpit to call for, you know, little things, things that nobody would be really be opposed to stuff like, you know, having people who are gay be executed, you know, stuff like that. Just simple stuff. Just little stuff. Right now, he said that people were crazy to get worked up over it because he would, quote, never have that kind of power until Jesus returns. Interestingly, he didn't say that he wouldn't do it if he did have the power. He's just like, ah, oh, no one will ever let me do it, but I totally would. But no one will let me do it. And he has freedom yeah. of expression. So, like, I don't know that threatening to kill people or saying people should be killed, I think that might cross a line or two there, right? Uh, but he's free to say whatever he wants. But can you Im- or think whatever he wants at least? But can you imagine if a prominent imam was calling for the execution in the street of Christians or whatever? He'd be he'd be, he'd be dragged through the streets and lynched. There like, would be lynches, yeah, for sure. Street justice would happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, uh, another example: Joshua F- Fuerstein. Uh, uh, so Fierstein. Oh, this guy Fierstein. drives me crazy, bro. So you've probably seen him in videos. He's like always in his car. He wears and, a hat. <laughs> yeah, definite neck beard going on. Uh, though he's cleaned that up a bit. He does look a little bit more sharp than he used to. Um, anyway, so he, he's he's a far right evangelical Christian. He uh, recently in February brought a candidate up on the stage of a church he was guest speaking at, and he said. 
it's against the law for me as a preacher at a church to endorse a candidate. I'm paraphrasing. I don't care that it's against the law. Then he explicitly endorsed this person for the for Congress, looked at the camera and said, IRS, come at me. He did That's something. Nothing. Now, yeah. <laughs> I I did actually submit. There's a form you can submit to report violations. So the thing he's violating, for those who don't know, is the Johnson Amendment. And uh, it basically prohibits people in nonprofits generally, but churches as well, from uh, using their nonprofit to as a, um, as a platform for politics. So churches can, if they want, endorse candidates. That's no problem. The part that's illegal is them to remain tax exempt if they do that. Yeah. And individuals can, as long as they're not using their nonprofit platform to do so, right? Right. So Josh, uh, how do you say it? Feuerstein? Feuerstein. Feuerstein. Josh can, on his own, on TikTok, go and say whatever he wants, and that's fine. What he cannot do is say, I am the pastor of this church, which is tax exempt, and I endorse this candidate as in that role. So, I mean, I reported it, but what's going to happen? Nothing. Not a damn thing. <laughs> Which is exactly why he did it. And why? Because he's Christian and he knows that there is no way the IRS is going to do anything about it. Yeah. Which is crazy because, I mean, it clearly violates um, the establishment clause and, and the free exercise clause, too. So, But those have been eroded, uh, eroded recently. Uh, if you've been following the Supreme Court, for instance— uh, they recently ruled that a government official who was, to all appearances, using his role as a government official or a member paid by the person paid by the government to hold public prayer meetings, which weren't mandatory, but let's face it, they were mandatory. This was a coach um, in Kennedy versus Bremerton, and he was suing because his contract didn't get renewed. When the school told him, hey, after games, you can't have a public prayer session at the 50-yard line because you're being right. paid by the government and you're doing this clearly as a part of your government action. The, right? the school district actually even tried to go uh, be accommodating and do the golden rule and say, okay, you can you can be there, but you can't say anything. Like if a student wants to say something, that's fine, but you personally can't say anything. So he was still they were still letting him have it, right? But Which even then is questionable. However, right. he kept doing it. <laughs> and the Supreme Court sided with the coach, saying that his freedom of religion had been trampled on. Now, the reason this is a problem and the reason this shows a privileged place for Christianity is, first of all, does anyone, anyone seriously think if this guy was Muslim that this decision would have gone down this way? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're, in, you're crazy if you yeah. think that. Just All right, just... Even if you are a agnostic, you're atheist, you're something else, or if you're Christian, picture this. You have a kid, either a niece, nephew, son, daughter, whatever, playing high school football, and the coach is Muslim, and he makes them kneel down and face Mecca for prayer at the end of the football game. Like... You would lose your shit. Like, Can you imagine the uproar? Oh, my God. Yeah. But because he's Christian, it's fine. And uh, to be clear, the coach said that technically the prayers weren't mandatory. He was just praying and people could come up. But come on. Let's be real. 
like let's be let's be adults here. If the coach, who is a authority figure, says, "I'm going to have a prayer meeting," and everybody's at this prayer meeting except for little Timmy, you don't think little Timmy's going to feel a little bit of peer pressure, going to feel coerced or pressured to join in this religious ceremony, even if he doesn't want to, even if he doesn't feel comfortable. Why? Because it's clearly a requirement to be on this team. Yeah. And especially when you have authority figures like that. I mean, I played high school football and we had prayers before the game, during halftime and at the end of the game. And it was just expected that you participated in the prayer. It was, there was, they didn't ask you, but if you didn't like kneel or bow your head, you got the eyes, you know, (laughs) like, um, so so there is a, so the government used to have a test for this. Are you familiar with the lemon test? Yes. So, not the lemon law, but the lemon test. And it's not because, hey, it looks like a lemon, it smells like a lemon. It was There was a case in 1971, lemon versus Kurtzman. And so in in that case, they came up with the, the lemon test and basically said that uh, the government can assist a religion only under three circumstances. One, the primary person, purpose of the assistance is secular. Two, the assistance must neither promote nor inhibit religion. And three, there is no excessive entanglement between church and state. So there again, church and state. So those three things, right? Which has been the standard that the the courts have used to see if there is that crossing the line between church and state, right? And it's worked well for 50 years. Uh, But now, no more. Uh, Gorsuch wrote in his... uh, of this decision that we should, instead of using the Lemon Law, we should instead look to historical practices and understandings, like to see if things are deeply rooted in American tradition to determine whether or not they should be allowed. You know, things like slavery and discrimination against black people, things like that, which are deeply rooted in American tradition. He actually put that historical practice and understandings in the actual decision for this Kennedy case, which is mind boggling. Uh, That same standard was used when they were talking about Roe v. Wade. They talked mm-hmm. about how they needed. They determined that the right to uh, privacy was not deeply rooted in American tradition, or the privacy as it specifically pertained to this. Um, and just as a little bit of a tangent, I think that's extremely dangerous because I don't know if you guys know, but our American traditions and histories aren't great. Like I said, things that have been deeply rooted in the past have been pretty awful. And if you, the only way in which someone can have a right is if it's deeply rooted, like if that had been the standard, then black people wouldn't be voting. You wouldn't have people, uh, interracial marriages. You wouldn't have women couldn't vote. (laughs) Right. Like all of those things, the founding fathers, when they said all men are created equal, what they meant was all white men who own property. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We need to go back to a, I mean, if right. you're a white man who owns property, I'm sure you agree with that, right? Like, yeah, but, right. So, all right. So that's the practical sense. And even if you don't want to get into all like the nuances of law and stuff, drive down any main street in America and tell me you don't cross two or three churches on your way doing it, right? <laughs> count yeah. how many uh, mosques you cross. Count how many, you know, even. Um, Jewish temples, like how many temples you cross, you're not going to cross, but you will cross a couple, maybe a liquor store or two, but also a Christian church. For sure. Plenty of them. So America wasn't founded as a Christian nation in the sense that these people tend to mean. 
It is, you could argue, a Christian nation now, but should it be one? Should it be the case where religion uh, plays a central role in the decisions of government? No. I agree. <laughs> okay. But let's and, get some more. Let's, let's break it down some. So, of course, you and I are going to say no because we're atheists. We don't have any religion. So why would we want religion to play a role? But I'm going to argue that even if you are religious, if you're a Christian, uh, you also should not want this for several reasons. First of all, um, it's always possible that some other religion could gain authority. If there's no wall between church and state, then what happens if in your locality there happens to be a Muslim majority? You, you're in a place in America where for some reason there's a bunch of people who are Muslim or Hindu or whatever. Uh, what is stopping them from... Uh, using their religious tradition and, and usurping the other ones. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but realistically, that's not happen in America though. So. <laughs> that's not going to happen in America, but you know, it could definitely happen. Other Christians having power. And wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Don't all Christians believe the same thing though. If you want to know what is wrong with the first Baptist church of Memphis, then go to the second Baptist church of Memphis and ask <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. Like there is a huge variety in Christian traditions, uh, not just between the large splits like Protestant to say Catholic um, or Mormon Jehovah's witnesses, that sort of thing. But even within uh, the umbrella of Protestantism, there's a ton of different faiths that believe wildly different things. You've got everyone from the hate preacher who thinks that gay people should be stoned in the street to my buddy Art who thinks that trans people should be afforded human rights and maybe gay people should be okay. You know, <laughs> Which some of those things are good. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> but the point is that if you are going to tear down this wall of church and state, you cannot guarantee that the church, the religion, the, even the Christian tradition that ends up gaining power is going to be the one you like. This was part of why Jefferson was writing that letter, because there were Christians who were facing some level of persecution in the states because other Christians who believed differently than them were the ones in power. Yeah. So I mean, if, if you – if Unless you happen to be lucky enough that your particular exact flavor of religion is the one that's held in power, there's a good chance that the people who have this authority you've given them are going to think and believe things differently than you. And, and so, but we should be clear too, like just having somebody in power who believes and thinks differently than you isn't a minor thing, particularly when it comes to religion because there are real world implications for this, right? Right. If you look uh, through history, you can see examples of this. So when religion has been mixed into government, how that's gone wrong. I mean, look at the Church of England. Uh, I don't know if you ever did when you were a kid, like the whole Bloody Mary whisper into the mirror thing. That Bloody Mary is Mary the first of England, and she executed and by execute, I mean burned at the stake over 300 Protestants because she was Catholic and there was a lot of religious turmoil at the time. And the government was the head of the church. The monarch was the head of the church there, yeah. right? Then you also you heard of the Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was another thing. Uh, but yeah. even in modern times, look to a modern theocracy in Iran, which is has been a theocracy since the 70s uh, when there was an Islamic revolution. And understandably because it's a majority muslim nation there's a lot of 
government enforcement of certain religious norms. But, and here's a parallel to the Christian thing we were talking about, not all Muslims, they're not a cohesive whole. The two major splits are Shia and Sunni. Mm -hmm. I won't go into why there's a split, but most Muslims in the world are Sunni, but in Iran, most of them are Shia. So the Shia Muslims, the Shiite Muslims have a majority in Iran. And because of this, Sunni Muslims are facing serious persecution in their country. So uh, they're prohibited by law from serving in some portions of the government. They can't be the president, for example. Uh, But even when there's not a legal barrier, there's a practical barrier, just kind of like how there's a practical barrier for atheists here. No Sunni has ever been appointed as a government minister, not even like the mayor of a large province. Uh, They often find their teachings and literature banned in schools. They can be prevented from building mosques. So these are Muslims persecuting other Muslims who disagree with them uh, theocratically. They ostensibly are part of the same religion. And there's even something in their constitution that other Muslims should be accorded equal rights but they're not. Yeah. I mean, I think even in, so not, not Iran, but in Saudi Arabia, you can actually be executed for saying that you're like, for saying that you don't believe basically if you're not Muslim. Right. So if you tried to deconvert, that's called apostasy and you can be killed. So, right. So this should frighten anyone. It should frighten everyone. Even if you believe that even if you're Christian and therefore you're part of the majority, uh, unless you happen to, conf- unless you're lucky enough that the majority, the people in power are going to think your particular brand of religiosity is the right one, you could face serious problems. Freedoms don't work if they're they only apply to some people, right? Because mm. whatever can be done to someone else can be done to you, right? So the only way to guarantee that you have the freedom to practice your religion the way you want is to make sure that everyone has the freedom to practice the religion the way that they want. Right. And I guess it practicing a religion is one thing. I mean, not too many religions practice in a way that actually impacts other people. You know, like, like if I had a religion where I was like, oh, I get to randomly kill people and eat them. Like, okay, maybe we don't let that guy practice his religion. (laughs) Well, your rights end where other people's rights begin. Exactly, yeah. Right? So you can have a religion that says that we should kill people, you know, who disagree with us or who eat chicken on Tuesdays or whatever, but you can't, like, do that because... (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, what all this comes down to, though, I mean, really, like, who cares what the Founding Fathers thought, really? I mean, like, we're yeah. seriously who cares yeah. how many how many years 200 300 years now at this point removed from i can't even do math anymore 400 years removed i don't know <laughs> 500 800 three six thousand years removed from right. we're a couple hundred years two, removed yeah. almost 250 years removed yeah. and uh clearly their values aren't going to be the same as our values and i think it's clear that uh, so the argument even if it was correct that the founding fathers thought this. Who cares that they thought they were a bunch of slave-owning white people? Screw them. Yeah, screw exactly. those guys. But they didn't think that the government should have this power. In fact, they went well out of their way to explicitly say no, uh, which is conveniently ignored by people like Lauren Boebert. Uh, and even if you want to ignore all of that, this shouldn't be something that anyone should endorse because you're playing with fire. There's yeah. It's only a matter of time before the before what you're doing to other people, the persecution, the 
that you're inflicting on others gets turned around on you. Right. If you care about freedoms and liberties at all, having a theocracy or founding a Christian state is a bad thing across the board. Right. So what can you be doing? What should you be doing? Well, uh, you should be researching your candidates. If anyone starts saying we should do X, Y, Z because the Bible says so, that should throw up all kinds of red flags, you know? Yeah. It's even totally... if you agree with the thing they want to do, right? Exactly. Like even yeah. if you think, yes, that is correct, the fact if their justification is solely because this religion says so, that is a problem. And you need to call them to task on that. It's fine for you to think we should do this and have a secular reason for doing it. That's fine. But basically, once it's a religious region reason, then that only applies to you. Yeah. Well, I, for one, don't want to live in a Christian nation. I, I don't want to. I'm getting progressively less confident that that is going to be the case. Uh, as time goes... <laughs> I don't know. On the one hand, uh, religiosity has been going down, as Pew Research has shown. But uh, the segment of the population that's being disenfranchised or being removed from power uh, doesn't seem to like that very much. And Well, I think, you know, we've been asked this question a lot in the past too, right? So why do you guys speak up so much? Why are you so vocal? Why can't you just stay over there in your corner, be an atheist and like, you know, do all your skeptical stuff, but just keep it to yourself, right? This is why. Because it has real-world impacts. I mean, the Supreme Court is overturning years and years of decisions. They're uprooting our entire legal system, and it impacts the liberties and rights of individual human beings that live in this country. Right. And if we don't speak up and say something, it's not going to change. Yeah. So we're speaking up not just for us, but for you too. Me too. Right. No, Me that's too. a different thing. Yeah. Different thing. Yeah, that yeah. too, though. Yeah. So that's our show, guys. Uh, hopefully you found something useful here. If uh, I-, I was trying to think of a way to phrase it where, like, if you were endorsing theocracy, but I feel like if you're doing that, you're probably not listening to this show. <laughs> you probably don't care anyway. <laughs> you probably don't care. We have to say anyhow. Yeah. Uh, but if you liked it, let us know. Uh, like, comment, subscribe to the whole jazz. Uh, it really helps with engagement, helps with the channel, and it also helps us know uh, what you guys are thinking and uh, how we can improve in the future. We definitely read every comment. Even the mean ones, especially Even the, the mean, mean ones. ones. Yeah, we like those ones. <laughs> yeah, we like being bad. told we're wrong when we know we're not wrong. So right. Uh, so, thanks for tuning in, and remember, until next time, you've always got reason to doubt. Peace out.